Welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast. Today we're going to talk about three basics for worship leadership, scheduling, charts, and rehearsals. Welcome to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast, where our mission is to equip and encourage worship leaders and teams and practical components of local church leadership. We're so thrilled to have you listening to our podcast, and our prayer is that it's helpful for you and your teams. If you have any thoughts or questions, feel free to reach out to us at worshipleadertoolbox.com. And we'd also be honored to have you hit subscribe wherever you're listening to us. Let's join together in today's episode starting now. Okay, I'm here today with Tim Price and Drew Alsman, and we're going to invest some time today talking about these basics. But first, hey guys, how's it going? It's going great. Yeah, it's going well. Good. Drew, it's it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, and in fact, you were actually on the very first one, and we're a key, uh, key component of getting this uh, Worship Leader Toolbox podcast off the ground, and here you are on number 43. It's It's been a fun year, and how's it going? Yeah, it's crazy to think that it's been a whole year. I remember uh, when we kind of started this whole thing, just sitting around talking about worship all the time. We're like, we might as well just record some of our conversations, you know, at this point. Um, and yeah, it's it's crazy to think back that, you know, with the, the blog starting and some of the resources that have rolled out mm-hmm. and that it's been a whole year. So it's it's great to be back and doing this again. So yeah. That's awesome. And Tim, how are you doing? I am uh, doing well and been a little marker here of Easter and um, this last couple weeks. And that's been interesting because it seems like a lot of people are in the mode of thinking Easter was a marker. And in some ways it kind of was for a lot of places. So people come back to church and people thinking about (laughs) getting things rolling again. So it's been good. New birth in the church. Yep. That's good. But before we jump in, I want to ask you guys a fun question. So put on your thinking caps and this is COVID related. What is the one restaurant you love but haven't eaten in since the pandemic? So what's that one restaurant you love since you haven't eaten in since the pandemic? Well, I could share in a in a nutshell, we hardly ate any restaurants during the whole pandemic, even mm-hmm. if they were open. And around here, most of them weren't. Uh, March 8th, March 13th of 2020, 2020 the last year, we we ate at a little surf shy, Surfside Shack mm-hmm. in Surfside Beach, Texas. That's hard to say. <laughs> And then we came home from that trip, and the pandemic started, and we haven't eaten inside a restaurant again until about two weekends ago at Panera Bread in Branson. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know. But halfway through, we're like, well, is this our motivation because of the pandemic or because we're just now saving money and whatnot and have got a new rhythm? But it's also weird to calculate how many meals we've eaten at home. Yeah. 900 and something in a row or something like that. Crazy. But to answer the question, the restaurant that would be fun to go back and eat in would be Joe's Pizza. Yeah. Here in Troy. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. that's a great answer. Yeah, I think uh, for me, the thing I miss most through the pandemic is the community that's come from being able to sit inside and, and talk with people while you eat. Like, I think that's the thing I miss mm-hmm. the most. And one of those places, oddly enough, was McDonald's for me. Uh, every week, Clint, you and I would go to McDonald's and for breakfast at least once a week and mm-hmm. uh, talk talk about just life and stuff like that. And we haven't been able to do that for a whole year. So it's been basically going through a drive through getting some coffee, getting some food and sitting in our cars and talking uh, has been just weird for a whole year basically so yeah i'll have to piggyback on mcdonald's also because i really like that but now we're gonna have to it's getting nice outside so we're gonna have to bring our folding chairs so we can just sit outside our cars like the old people do there yeah (laughs) i saw them as i was driving by oh they actually yeah they're there so you can take a canopy tent Ooh, nice oh nice a pop-up just kind of have a (laughs) just kind of claim a space (laughs) i did with my brothers in one of the barbecue places oh that's before they got there i set it all up as out in the parking lot that is hilarious (laughs) 
Oh, man. All right, guys, let's jump into these three basics for uh, worship leaders. Um, but in this, there's a bit of an 80-20 rule here. Um, it's investing 20% into these areas can really bring about 80% of its fruitfulness in worship leading um, with the team. And here's the three areas. It's good scheduling, good charts, and a great rehearsal. Uh, but before we jump into each of these areas, do you guys kind of agree with that, that there, that uh, a, a silent investment into a small part really provides a huge benefit. And how do you guys see this playing out? It seems like if you got these things down, well, these three things that it doesn't require a ton of upkeep. It's just, you know, it just keeps the rhythm going. Mm -hmm. And, and definitely these things provide a huge benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I think once you get the, the foundation of these things going that, like you said, the upkeep isn't, isn't terribly difficult or time consuming. It's the initial, you know, to, to make sure that, you know, you make the connection with people and you get in the flow of scheduling them and, you know, with charts and, and music and all that stuff, making sure that all that stuff is on planning center, whatever software you use. And, um, just kind of, as you add a new song, it, it becomes less cumbersome. Um, so I think once you have the foundation for these, it, it's not a huge upkeep to do, you know, every single week. Is there another software besides planning center that people use? Like <laughs> Anymore? That? I don't think so. I, I mean, like there, the there one. might be, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of the standard yeah. at this point. Yeah. Anything I've ever done from first serving in music ministry like 15 years ago to now, it's always been planning <laughs> yeah. center. That's crazy. They yeah, really have a monopoly weird. on that. Yeah. I, when you're doing it right, you're doing it right. Yeah. Right. But I would say too, then the third one was great rehearsals. And I think if you have those first two things down well enough, mm -hmm. your rehearsals become a whole lot easier to manage as well because yeah. you have people um, coming in more prepared and mm -hmm. things like that. So, yeah, I would say that if you really have a good foundation for these, that it doesn't take a whole lot of upkeep every single week. That's awesome. Hmm. Well, it's, I want to jump into each of these areas. So the first one is good scheduling. And, uh, like, think about this. Like, you know, you can think, like, large church demographic or even small church demographic, and this is going to look different for you, but the, the practical um, advice would probably apply the same. But what does it take? What has it been in your experience for good scheduling? they got to have people. People. <laughs> oh, people. <laughs> There's a lot of components to this, so mm -hmm. I'll just throw out a couple. But one of them is you do have to, like, work with your people mm -hmm. and – build them into some kind of group so i mean this isn't just like you know a guy behind the curtain like just throwing names out there there's yeah. there's got to be a relationship with like people getting in the groove mm -hmm. and then you know knowing kind of what you what your outcome is going to be mm -hmm. so that you're able to pull in the people that you need for that particular thing or yeah. whatever that's good yeah and like kind of what you're saying kind of jumped in my mind is like you know, that good chemistry, right? Cause you can have like, like, let's just say, you know, your church is blessed and you have like, you know, five guitar players. Okay. Now, like, and if they're all really good, well, but they might not mesh well, you know what I mean? So like knowing who plays well with others and who, um, compliments and raises each other up when they play together, that's a whole another level of thinking about things, you know, yep. you know, so if you're, if you're in that predicament, that's a blessing. <laughs> uh, but that's another thing is like knowing who has good chemistry with one another. Yeah. And one thing I was thinking about as you guys were, were talking about this is managing, you know, burnout. And, and, and to do that, you have to really be in tune with uh, your volunteers and mm -hmm. um, what's going on in their life. And so I think that connection is, is a big part of it, too. It's, it's more than just like, hey, you're on the schedule, like, but also getting to know those people and what's going on in their life. So you can really manage um, when they're serving, how often they're serving, things like that, because the more you take care of your people in that regard, um, 
the more they're going to want to go to battle for you and, and to be a part of the team things like mm-hmm. that and that that plays into this as well i think yeah if you're gonna have a long-term like approach to it then you can't just i mean you can't just stick people in willy-nilly and yeah. never really connect with them and so there's been some people that i've scheduled on planning center and even before planning center existed and um they're still playing the band they were like all the time they're they're around yeah. and a part of things and there's been a lot of seasons where i've had to, or had an opportunity to say man if things are getting haywire you know with your family issue or this going on or somebody's sick or whatever then just let me know or sometimes i've even said i'm taking you off this week just because i'm sure that it's not going to work well with all that you have going on based on your facebook post or whatever it is mm-hmm. like and that could never happen if you're just scheduling a like corporate mindset like this is yeah. like a relational thing that you're thinking of so you guys both talking about um you know honoring people's time so like you know as worship leaders or like if you find yourself on staff you might find yourself playing like every single sunday or you know like three out of four or something like that um so what kind of limitations do you put for either your volunteers like do it when you guys are scheduling or whenever uh your worship leader is scheduling what's the limitations that you have is it like you know, every other week at most, is it, you know, three out of four or what, you know, what do you do once a month if you have enough or how does that work for you guys? What are your thoughts? I I guess I'll go first. Yeah. Tim was looking at me like it. (laughs) Uh, I think for, for me, it's, um, just really, like I said, knowing your volunteers. So what they're capable of, some people might have more space in their life and Mm -hmm. also just having that relationship with them where, um, you have a culture they can tell you like i i can only do this much like you Mm -hmm. don't ever want like to have a culture where people just say yes because they're scared of saying no or feel like they can't say no like you want them to be able to uh, feel like they're in a culture where you know we care about them and their lives and so they should be able you know to to feel okay saying yeah i I just can't do this This is the max that i could do so i don't know there's really like an Mm all-around um rule for this basically but i would say if you have someone consistently playing three to four times a month that's probably pretty scary and Mm -hmm. you probably need to have a conversation because that's that's a lot for any non-paid you know staff person to be doing and volunteering i think but it also depends on the nature of your church so like whenever we didn't have when we only had one service Mm -hmm. that the praise Mm -hmm. band played at we had pretty much the same band for a decade yeah and everybody's happy because like it's not a huge commitment like you show up on sunday morning you do a quick sound check you crank through the songs and and sit around talking there's a lot of just mutual like community in that as soon as we went to more than one service for the worship band then that changed the mentality because all of a sudden if you're on the schedule it's like a 10 hour week Mm -hmm. commitment for the week yeah like rehearsal be there sound check all morning long it's a it's like part-time job yeah so you can't do every single week or you but then there's also the weird thing of seasons of life so if somebody's got little kids then mm-hmm. they're missing out on kids bedtime you know they don't want to be there every single wednesday night and even mm-hmm. if they did want to be it's not a good season of life for that like, yeah then you got a newly retired person that just got done working and they feel like they have like 60 plus extra hours a week and they're happy to do anything under the sun so still you don't want them to burn out but yeah. you yeah. kind of just get to know and then one other aspect to it is the the high points like to watch the high points like um you you and not that it's seniority type mindset but you want to build community by inviting people to be a part of things like big sundays like mm-hmm. christmas things or you know times when everything's going to be and also the same vein you don't always want to have the same group on fourth of july weekend like you just kind of want to mix and match so that people are able to you know balance life and and keep it all straight mm-hmm. so 
That's good. Yeah, and, and really quickly before we move on to the next point, um, one other thing is we were talking about this uh, that goes to me in hand with good scheduling. It's it's imperative to be enough in advance for people so that they can make those determinations on their life. So if they know that, mm-hmm. and this goes both ways too, it's, it's partly on the volunteers letting you know when they can and can't serve, um, but being enough in advance that people have the ability to say yes or no confidently uh, and know, you know, what's coming up versus like a last minute ask or something like that. I think that that, uh, that goes in line with good scheduling and, uh, and habits and stuff like that is, is to make sure that you're giving them an opportunity to really evaluate what's going on in their life on a given month or a given week and not feel pressured to say yes the week of, um, things like that. Yeah. And that's the weird balance yeah. because if you schedule people 90 days out, they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you schedule people seven days out, it's a slap in the face. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know what it is. It's like, it's like. 27 days is like perfect or something. I don't know what the formula is, but it can't be too far and it can't yeah. be too close. Yeah. If you can get that, if you can get that close to a month, I think that that's mm-hmm. generally a good, I found that that's a good balance for a lot of people. They kind of know what's coming up in there in a given month. Mm-hmm. But if you go beyond that, they have no idea what's, what's coming up. Yeah. So, you know, what just happened is a, a beautiful bookend because drew your first podcast you were on was about advanced prep. And nice. now, now you're here again talking about advanced prep. So if you haven't heard that first episode, go back and <laughs> there you go and hear how things and, evolved and see if it's see if it's all still right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hope that I said the same things back then that I say now. He's contradicting himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get on there the first episodes like and schedule people every week if you can. That's the best way to do Just it. Grind them out. You know, <laughs> there's always more people. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's so good. Um, no, those are really good. Um, and, and we don't have to dive into everything because like I just said, you know, go back and listen to that advanced prep one. Uh, there'll be a lot of things to talk, that we talk about in there for like scheduling and, and stuff like that. So check that one out. Uh, but number two, good charts, man, there's so many different ways to go about this. Uh, but how, how does this benefit your teams? Good charts. Wait, for those, I mean, if do I have to pre- do I have to say like good charts? Do I have to say what that is? Might like, as well. Okay, so like, I, I, I mean, if you're listening to this, worship- I'm a drummer, so I don't know what charts are. Okay, like, perfect. I, just, yeah. I, I, are- I memorize chords easily, so I always had terrible charts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like charts is basically like you know your your lyrics and chord progressions. You know, uh, it's not exactly like you know piano lead sheets. You know, where you have the melody. It's just kind of like your your car your cards. Your chords, <laughs> your chords with the lyrics is that's your your chord your good charts. So and and the flow and all just the way the song progresses. Yeah. So it's obvious. Well, that's also part of what makes a good chart, right? Yeah. So so what what do you guys think? How does this benefit good charts? It it makes it efficient. Mm-hmm. People don't have to guess. Yeah. And that goes along with volunteer burnout. If every single week is a is a guess, that's yeah. like a lot of stress. And and the overriding principle is is that when a church looks like it's really free flowing and doing well, they probably have really highly planned, organized Mm -hmm. music. And if a church seems like they're winging it, then they're probably winging it on their chord charts too. Mm -hmm. So that's like a a misnomer. It looks like it's coming off easy and like they just said, all right, four, four beat in the key of G and follow me like that. That can work to some degree, but it'll never like have the feeling of like freedom unless there's, unless it's just a group that plays together every single week for years. Yeah, and I think um, if your if your ministry, if your goal is to attract excellence, um, I think that excellent musicians, excellent vocalists, excellence in anything they they those are people that generally want to be prepared. Like they they care about what they're doing, 
Um, and so they want to be prepared. And so to be able to attract that excellence, I think that you have to, you have to be prepared because that's going to be one of the things that they're going to notice immediately is, um, are they prepared? Are they, are they giving us the tools to be uh, successful, especially if they have a busy schedule outside of ministry and volunteering? Um, they're going to have certain time slots where they know exactly what they want to practice. And if they don't have those tools, I think that they'll come in and feel kind of stressed or burned out or just totally unprepared. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah, because the the more crisp a chord chart is, like I know some days in my life, chord charts are left over from I don't know what era, <laughs> and we're still going with it. Partly just out of, I mean, everybody knows it, so that's it's weird for a new person for sure. But another aspect is whenever we do have a new song or a new thing, and I send a text to people and like highlight the fact that don't miss this this week. I mean, sometimes you glance through the list. And even even this last couple Sundays ago, we did forever from from the the Carrie Joe version. I don't mm-hmm. know what year that is, but it's definitely newer than forever. Like Chris, Chris Tomlin, forever, long time ago, forever. Yeah. When you said forever, and, I was like, oh, Chris. And Tomlin. so <laughs> one of the guys in the band basically said, "Yeah, I looked at that list, and I thought I know all those." And he got to practice, like, "Whoa, forever! That's, that's not forever." That's <laughs> <laughs> still easy. It wasn't that hard, but it was yeah. just you just get into a groove. And so when I send a text and say, "Hey, don't miss the second song. We've never done it before, and it's all written in there." It's like that song is the easiest one of the night because mm-hmm. everybody's really focused on yeah. making yeah. sure they learn this because we've got to do it right. That's good. Yeah, also one more thing that I want to throw in here for good charts is like, um, you know, my thoughts on good charts have changed over the years because like before I was like a, I like the song select chart, you know, song selected and stuff like that. They have their own charts and you can, you know, import those into Planning Center. Uh, but then like Tim for a while, we were like trying to transition it into like how the flow goes and like I wasn't a believer in it because I wasn't seeing it, you know what I mean? And then like I helped out, uh, you know, elsewhere at a different church uh, with Drew and that's how they do it. I'm like, oh, this is what Tim was talking about. This is amazing. And it, like it flows from, from the start to the finish as you are going through the song and you don't have yeah. to skip around and jump around. And I'm like, this is amazing. You know, like if I'm using, you know, if we're using planning center i'm using the 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 music app on my you know my ipad i just keep scrolling over and and it goes yeah that is good so like you were totally like right and i was totally (laughs) just like not seeing where you were going so it was yeah so i think uh our our thoughts and and ideas on what's good and and what's better or what's great can uh, totally change so uh, you almost have to have that flow because every song if you're going to base it on some people around here run around saying, oh, we're doing this recording or this recording. And I'm like, oh, I just threw in whatever recording. Or here's the comment I'll get sometimes is, oh, well, on the recording, it's this. And I don't even remember what recording is on Planning Center. It's just, for, it's just like, in my mind, it's a reference. Like, yeah, yeah we're just going to sing the song our way, but here's how it basically goes. Yeah. But lately, that's kind of shifted a little bit to where everybody's like, oh, we're doing this version? Okay. And they learn it like that. Yeah. And that's where those chord charts really come in handy because then that that, that kind of sets it in stone. Be all the way through and nobody yeah. has to wonder yeah and it helps the lyric people and everybody oh, yeah. it helps everybody yeah and it's so. interesting how tracks have changed some of that as well because back before tracks existed you could do it however you wanted but you know with tracks that adds an extra level of well we might have to play it almost exactly like they did it or it won't match with the track and you know that's added another a whole nother dynamic and, and the tracks don't necessarily match recordings yeah i mean they kind of yeah. do but you could change a little bit but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been weird. We we had that they created a track for Hosanna a couple weeks ago, and it was to a version that I 
couldn't even hardly remember. Hmm. And so I had to go back and like study, study, study. And like I've sung Hosanna by Paul Balash for like in my sleep forever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I had like really get the framework of this song. And we had to go back through and take out the, we had to redo it. And here's another funny thing. When you play with tracks for a long time in that setting. And then like last week, start back up at the outdoor service. The whole band goes out there and just goes all <laughs> natural. No clicks, nothing. Just play all those songs. And the cool thing is, we basically played it just like the track. Yeah. <laughs> it just like went through just like it was supposed to go through because that's all we had done the yeah. hour before. So. so someone wasn't like, intro, two, three, Yeah, nobody four. was saying that. We could have. We'd done it before out there, but it's just so much more pleasant to not have monitors going outside. Yeah. So. That's good. It was something interesting. All right. That's the first uh, first two. Uh, good scheduling, uh, good charts. And now for the final one. Uh, good rehearsals and, and we've talked about this before but what are some of the basic components of a good rehearsal from a band member standpoint and then also like from a leadership standpoint so like what, what are those for for you like tim like you're the worship pastor worship leader here at this church so like from that standpoint like what does a good rehearsal mean to you part of the good rehearsal for us is the investment in making sure all the sound is working well for that night and that configuration of time. Like the band, it's not the same configuration every single week as far as a band goes. Yeah. So sometimes there's cello player or violin or whatever the other extra things are flute. And, um, and then there's also a different drummer every single week and a different bass player every single week. And so all those things collide to require us to make sure the mixes are good and the packs are right. Everybody has the right stuff, the right time, the right music. Everything's like correct. Mm-hmm. And so we do invest some in that. And then um, there's the element of um, connecting with people. So we almost always pray before rehearsal and, and afterwards. And um, a little bit unfortunately, although people always talk about how youth is important in a church. So we almost as a band work around the student ministry at our church so mm-hmm. they end at seven forty-five, and so our rehearsal is kind of late and as a result is usually an hour and probably no more than an hour and 15 minutes and so the threshold is make sure that everybody knows all the songs mm-hmm. run through them all run through a couple of them twice if they need work run through the new one three times maybe mm-hmm. and then then it's done and then we wait for sunday and i would say there's a there's the whole adage we talked about before of like rehearse together but practice on your own before Mm -hmm. so there's that growing culture and then there's also the idea that anything that's not working on wednesday usually by sunday is all worked out Mm -hmm. like people have gone home and said oh yeah man shoot i better learn that Mm -hmm. and if you didn't have wednesday to get people in that mode Mm -hmm. then you would you know sundays would be tough so wednesday is a rehearsal together but if there's ever something that's not working right everybody's like okay everybody go listen to that we'll meet early sunday or whatever Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's a good point. And that was that's where I was going to go with it is that rehearsal is the time to to bring everything together as a band. It's not the time to to be learning your parts. And so kind of having that culture and I I've, I've been in uh I don't know, like the, growing up in a church it was kind of like we only came on Sunday and practice, you know, for an hour maybe before for playing and <clears throat> that works for some churches, but like the to me the best culture is like coming having a rehearsal during the week and coming prepared for that rehearsal so that way you know it's not just for you but also for the the sound the sound guy who is going to be there and needs to be locking in things and um yeah so making sure what you you have on Wednesday is is pretty close to what you're you know you're going to be doing and then furthermore like Tim was saying you know you come in on Sunday and rehearse a little bit um more but i i would say 
getting in the habit of what you play on Wednesday doesn't change dramatically on the weekend. So basically you try to stick with what you play on Wednesday for the weekend. If you need to improve some things like, you know, doing that, but for your sound guys and, and, um, your other, the other people that are kind of, it hinges on, you know, for, for making the weekend go off uh, smoothly, like making sure that what you're playing on Wednesdays doesn't change dramatically when you get there on the weekend. So just improving upon that, but not changing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and half rehearsal, I mentioned sound equipment, but half of it is these days for this whole myriad of people that it hinges on like mm-hmm. the rehearsal time. That's kind of like the deadline for tracks to be in because you need them by rehearsal. So all that has to happen, you know, beforehand. And yeah. those people need to know what's going on, and that's their part of rehearsal. And then the lyrics people are sitting there running through, making sure all that's mm-hmm. good, and that has to be in before rehearsal. So big changes these days affect a lot more than just like the worship leader changing yeah. the yeah. song. Yeah, and another thing that as you were you were talking about like in ear monitors and tracks and all that stuff, one thing I was thinking of is it used to be Wednesday before some of that gear was available, you can come and just plug in and um, and just go. But now there's like you you almost have to build in a time for like in-ear checks and getting your monitors right and all that stuff. And um, I've been at churches where that is a really long process and your band members can get kind of frustrated with that. And I've also been at churches where that's really smooth and is done really quickly or almost, almost ready to go when they get there. And so that, that also is another, um, another layer because, you know, your, your volunteers are giving up their time, but they also need to understand that it's not just for band. It's also for sound people and vice versa. Like all of it needs to be, you know, kind of hammered out on a Wednesday. And so that might turn into a little bit longer than it used to because of those different because elements. Of, yeah. Well, just getting somebody new in and all of a sudden they have to learn where the iPad is if they don't bring their own mm-hmm. and where the, what they use and getting the inner wired mm-hmm. up and getting everything ready. You can't show up like two minutes till no. it's like 15, no. 30 minutes, depending on what instrument you play. Yeah. And I, and I would say it's going to be different church by church. Um, probably a lot of churches listening here may not use in your monitors or they might not like, for instance, here at Troy, you have other people that use the, um, the family life center throughout the week. And so things can get messed up. And so not every situation is the same, but I think it just really starts with the culture mm-hmm. of the team and, and understanding like what needs to happen and just have that expectation for people as you onboard them and things like that. And if you have a good culture, a lot of those other things that we're talking about will, will flow yeah. from that. That's true. Yeah. There's, I mean, and not only that, most churches that have inner monitors and tracks and bands and all the side of things, they can't even fathom the fact that while we're rehearsing downstairs, there's another group of people upstairs rehearsing for traditional worship with cellos mm-hmm. and flutes and handbells <laughs> and other microphones and organs. Like yeah. most people, when they talk about all this stuff, they're like, oh yeah, we just get together that night. And anything around our church, at least that we talk about is two different veins yeah, all the time simultaneous. So it's been great during the pandemic because we've had a lot of crossover. Like somebody will be down here playing strings and somebody will, the, the same person will go upstairs. Mm-hmm. And now since Easter, mm-hmm. that can't happen. It's all overlapping again. So it's all or nothing. Back to four. Yeah, back to four, <laughs> back to all the people that are going to be in. You commit to one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's great. I think, you know, and, and whenever you're kind of like everyone's reopening and getting back to, um, you know, if they're going back to all their services, I think that's even more important to have all of these things. Like, you know, you're scheduling down pat because now it's not just one. It's it's four or more. You know, it's, you know, your good charts, good rehearsals. All of these things are even more hypercritical than they were during the pandemic pandemic because maybe during that time you were meeting once and maybe it was like pre-recorded and you can have multiple chances to re-record it and stuff like that so yeah how often do musicians play at your church yeah so it kind of just depends yeah it kind of just depends but it seems like um 
at most they would do three and that's if we really you know really needed it but generally one to two times uh, a month and so yeah because and and also we have um we have four services every weekend that they have to play at all four and so it's just a huge commitment and so because of that it you know it goes back to protecting from burnout and things like that Mm -hmm. um and so um for that same reason and making sure everything's in there and accurate and the the culture and all all that stuff is 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 solid yep that's true well i just i mean just the the stakes keep going up like the more you have like add a service or add a yeah. an expectation or add whatever mm-hmm. at some point you know if you're memorizing and at some point you kind of memorize the songs anyway because you do them enough so mm-hmm. that's like one component but um you know at each one of those levels that lessens the amount of time so like yeah you could play every sunday for a month at this level but you raise up a few things you can only play one sunday a month and use the same amount of hours mm-hmm. like yeah it's crazy to think about and um, and not only that, there there are other things like it, it limits um, how many new songs we introduce and things like that because you, it just puts you in a a little bit of a box. But I think the the rewards outweigh some of the negatives. But you know we don't want to introduce a whole bunch of new songs that people have to learn and memorize. Now we try to keep it kind of familiar um, for a little bit at least. And so things like that are just a different mindset with different churches. And I think a, a lot of churches listening will have totally different situations than any of mm-hmm. what we've talked about, maybe even and. Um, that's why to me, it all comes down to culture and expectations for your, for your particular situation and making sure those are communicated and people know what they, they need to do. Yeah. Well, awesome. That's, that's great stuff. But guys, thanks so much. And then everyone who's listening, thank you so much for joining, um, us on the worship leader toolbox podcast. Uh, we encourage you to share this uh, with your worship team and other worship leaders you know and you should be in uh, communication with in your area. Um, and also join us on the website, worshipleadertoolbox.com. We're praying for you as, we, as you continue uh, leading your church in effective ways and keep serving the Lord and lifting up his name.